Hey there, Sake On Air listeners. We've got great news. The Sake Future Summit is coming back. On both January 7th and 14th, the Japan Sake and Shochu Makers Association is once again hosting a series of presentations and panel discussions featuring a range of inspiring individuals that are working hard to chart an exciting path for the future of sake in Japan and across the globe. This year's summit will be taking place from 6 to 11 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time, which will be 3 to 8 p.m. Pacific Time on Saturday, January 7th, as well as Saturday, January 14th. For viewers in Japan, that'll be 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. on both Sunday the 8th and the 15th. Viewers are encouraged to tune in throughout the broadcast to share questions and comments during the live and pre-recorded sessions. For those located in less than accommodating time zones, there will be a rebroadcast of both days' programming to be scheduled as well. We'll be sure to keep you updated on details here at Sake on Air as they materialize, but also be sure to follow the Japan Sake and Shochu Makers Association on Facebook and Instagram, and subscribe to their official YouTube channel for future updates and viewing as well. Mark your calendars, prepare some sake and shochu, and join us for the Sake Future Summit this January. Now, on with the show. The people of sake actually brought me into sake. Back in 1988, this place was actually in Ginza on the main drag. At first it was kind of soy sauce, it was miso. To the point where it actually changed my life. New Year's Day 1989. Uh, not just sake as a beverage, but all the cultural history of Dear listeners, welcome to a new episode of Sake on Air, brought to you with the support of the Japan Sake and Shochu Makers Association. Sake on Air is dedicated to expanding the dialogue about and around Japan's iconic alcoholic beverages, sake, shochu, and awamori. I am Sébastien Lemoine, one of your regular hosts and today I have the pleasure of having with me as a co-host Christopher. Hi Christopher, how are you doing today? Hey, great to be back with you doing another show Sebastian, always a lot of fun and I'm excited uh, today about uh, the guest we have today. Yeah, indeed. So I mean without further ado I think I should bring him into the conversation. Let's do it. I mean today we have the pleasure of having Someone relatively uh, unusual by his uh, by his profile and and his activity. Um, so I'd like to welcome George and um, George. I mean, would you kindly uh, briefly introduce yourself? Yes. Uh, aloha, everybody. Uh, my name is Inoue George uh, Inoue Parsons George. I'm uh, actually half American, half Japanese. Um, surprisingly. Uh, half Japanese guy is working at a brewery is very, I told everybody surprised. <laughs> and just to tell you, I do not, I did not marry anybody in the Inoue family. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what people would assume, right? That's what people yeah. would assume normally. Yeah. yeah if, there's, if there's a foreigner in a brewery or, or someone who's, you, you know, got some kind of, um, you know, who's who, who's got some kind of foreign linkage lineage there working in a brewery, they assume that you probably married into the family. Yes, I have a lot of questions these days, you know. Uh, are, you, um, are you married to somebody? No. Uh, why? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's all the questions yeah. I just said. Uh, actually, it, it happened to us on the show to have uh, foreigners, uh, foreign people, 
working in Japanese sake breweries, but mm -hmm. that's the first time that we have actually a foreigner who is part of a brewing family. And uh, we're quite excited about that. Yes. Your, your um, English is absolutely perfect. You sound like you spent most of your life in the US, but that's not the case, is it? I mean, tell, can you tell us a little bit about your... Uh, actually, I was born here in Japan. And at age six, I graduated kindergarten here in Japan. And at age six, I moved to the United States for 10 years. So I was there until I was age 16. And um, I lived in, uh, as you could say, Massachusetts, the Boston, Massachusetts, then New York. So I, you know, I was speaking English part of my um, elementary school and junior high. I was speaking English only. So I couldn't, you know, speak any word of Japanese. Mm -hmm. And when I came back to Japan, the first thing I said to everybody was konnichiwa. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't pronounce it. I said konnichiwa. <laughs> so um, our brewery is located in Kanagawa-gen, the Kanagawa prefecture, Ashigara Kamigun Oimachi Kamioi, which is, as you can say, between like maybe a 30-minute car drive to Mount Fuji, Gotemba, and a, like a 40-minute ride to Hakone. Mm. It's in the area of the mountainside. It's between Odawara and Hakone, basically. Yeah, Odawara. Well, mm, Odawara and Hakone. You can ah, no, that. no that's, that, that's not true. Yeah. I mean, Odawara and Hakone is a different line. Yeah, It's north of Odawara. Yeah, it's close to maybe... Um, I don't know which is what I'm going to say. Well, well, uh, by car it would be close to Oimatsuda in, uh, interchange. And Kamioi is the train station, the nearby train station. Yes, but if everybody tries to come. Uh, please do not use your Suica pass or possible pass. It doesn't work. Oh it's yeah, okay. there's no, there's no, uh, there's no place to scan the pass, right? Uh, there is now on the Odaku line, though. Ah, okay. So if you're using taking from Shinjuku to Shimatsuda, which is the next small station, you can use the um, passport only to Shimosaga, which is you know where all the um, the plum trees are, and that Shimosaka station. In mm. Kozu, which is the JR JR Higashinohon and JR Tokai. Yeah, about, about the brewery, I mean, I had the pleasure of visiting you uh, last month in November. And um, I mean, it's, it's a very nice visit. You have this beautiful Kura with uh, so many uh, old things uh, about sake. <laughs> and, um, and the main house is, uh, well, I did not enter the main house, but it looks absolutely beautiful um, where your uncle used to live, I suppose, or still living, maybe? Yeah, my uncle is actually uh, living in the company right now. He's okay. like, you know. And actually, um, Sebastian, Chris has actually been in our company also. Yeah, I, I was a long time ago. The last time I visited was in 2015, I think, or 2014. Uh, yeah, so it's it a lot. Yeah. But I remember it well. Yeah. So it's a, it's, it's a, I enjoyed it very much. And I guess it's changed a lot since uh, the last time I visited. Nope. 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 Okay. <laughs> For better or worse. Well, actually, one of the tanks might. You know, change though. 
Okay. The outside tank has changed. Right. I remember very vividly your kind of fermentation space. Um, mm -hmm. That's a very nice fermentation space, like the way that the tanks are laid out and the, you know, um, I think it, it looks kind of cool. I know that you've had a lot of visitors come to the brewery. You've had tourists in the past visit the brewery. Yes. Well, what is their, what is their reaction? What is, what is their impression of the brewery been? Um, in telling they, you? Uh, well, the, when the, you know, foreigners come into our company, they say, wow, this is, this is you, because our company is actually a hundred years old. Sure. Company personally. Yeah. And the Kura actually collapsed in Kanto Daisinsai earthquake. Right. 1920, 1920s, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's actually now 100 years. Sure. We actually haven't built it since then. We still have dirt walls inside the company to cool down the, you know, inside the Kura is all dirt wall. Mm. Cool down the, you know, the socket, uh, the temperature. Yeah. The, the earthen walls, the yeah. mud walls, right? Which, which have this natural cooling effect on the inside of the brewery. Yeah. Yes. And ever since then, we actually been using, you know, we've been doing that and we're actually trying to fix the dirt walls right now, but um, we're going to fix them. But, um, you know, it's just, everybody says, this is a great, um, you know, heritage. You should keep it the way it is. Sure. Yeah. That's something I really like, you know, the, the, I can say in the winter, it's, cold as hell but <laughs> <laughs> it's keeping but in the summer it's a it's a very nice place comfortable place to be right because uh, well, no, not so much uh, inside the breweries yes inside the brewery it's very cold yeah it's like um like 20 degrees right when it, outside like it's like 35 or 36 yeah 35 to 36 to 37 yeah so it's, it's a good place to go in the summer to get the cool down, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. And so how did you end up working um, at Inoue Shuzo? Uh, well, it's a very interesting story. I actually, at uh, when I graduated high school here in Japan, as an American school in Yokohama, um, I was planning to become a hotel man. At age, mm -hmm. I actually stayed here for 20, at age 20. And I moved into Hawaii to become a hotel man. And I was, you know, studying. And one day my parents called me, George, yes, come back to Japan. I was like, why? Uh, we want you to be part of the Noah Brewing Company. So I was planning not to take, um, actually not to take over the company. But I just started, you know, taking it over. I'm not taking it over yet, but. I'm the next generation president. Mm. Did did they need to persuade you to come back, or was it kind of like, oh, okay, uh, uh, I'm going, I'm they going needed back to then. persuade me? Yeah. I so was what saying, was what what was the reason that they gave? What why did they so urgently need you to come back? Uh, somebody, my well, I don't know if I could say this, but my ancestors, like you know, everybody around me, said that you know, actually, I was. I've known the company for since I was small, mm. so I could, you know, take care of it and all that kind of stuff. But okay. um, I just, you know, wanted to, how can you say, 
keep the Japanese tradition of sake, um, you know, going around everywhere in Japan, everybody to know what sake is. Mm. So that's why I wanted to keep the generation going in our company. And our company has been running for 233 years. Wow. So we started, as you guys know, the French Revolution. Everybody knows that, right? Yeah. We started in 1789. So it's a, it's a Edo, it was made in the Edo period company. Mm. So I wanted to just keep that generation running. Mm. So that's why I came back. So in a way, they were right. I mean, they were saying you, you had the brew in your DNA, which is uh, a bit surprising, or at least not scientific, I mean, scientifically, maybe not easy to prove, but they were right because at the end of the day, you look like the champion they needed to, um, to, to make it continue. Yeah, it was tough, though. I'm coming back to Japan, you know, as you guys know, you know, the Japanese culture, senpai kohai, right? Mm -hmm. Elder, younger. I couldn't stand that. So I had a lot of culture shock when I came back. So you're talking about the, the top-down mentality, the culture of Japan. Yeah, it was tough. Tell us about what you, what you, what you, what you maybe do on a daily basis at the brewery, what, how you see your role and how it, how it has evolved and how, how you think it's going to continue to evolve? Well, um, to be exact, I'm actually, as I said, I will be the eighth generation president of our company. Um, and right now I have, um, I was a co-worker on bottom of me, you know, trying to help them work out everything in the company, see what I can do, you know, trying to really keep it. So I'm really on the top side area, mm -hmm. but I actually don't show that. I try to, um, as you can say, um, show that I'm a low guy. So, you know, I don't like saying that, hey, I'm going to be the next president. What? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the, like the um, great guy in the company. I don't try to show that. I really want to try to show is that try to be even with everybody. And when something happens, I just, you know, tell them, no, this is not what you do. This is what you do. So, you know, I try to be, how can I say, very. Um, like, like equal, like equals. So like, equal, you know, yeah. like everyone is an equal on the same team. Like no Yeah, that's what I try to be. I don't try to be, you know, like, han, uh, as we say in Japanese, hanataka. Mm. Mm. I mean, I, yeah. I I I understand <laughs> and I admire the um, the the intention, but as as you were saying, I mean, this uh, senpai kohai relationship is is very strong, and I guess that uh, trying to change the way you manage relationship in the company uh, must not be very easy. I mean, you 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 found it hard for yourself when you joined, and mm. today you're trying to change the, the 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 management style in the company. How how is that? How is that going? I mean, you you have a you're not brewing sake yourself. You have a toji uh, working for you at, at the brewery. Actually, How's the relationship going? That's not well. We actually have one toji that's here. He's the elder toji, but there's another guy in the company who's now the toji. So we have a one year toji in our company, and he's trying. Well, he's actually doesn't have that kind of um. You know, but he's told you, so I can't, you know, explain to him, do this, do that. Mm. I try to be, you know, on the even side and saying, oh, we do this? Okay. 
But when I have something that, no, this, I think we should do it this way. He tries to, he talks to me about it and says, what should we do? And all that kind of stuff too. So, you know, after the Toji, he's going to be leaving us, I think in next week, he has to go back to Ishikawa to, you know, work at a different brewery. Mm. So I'm going to be um, helping the other part Toji guy right now. I think when he, uh, the Toji leaves. So the elder Toji is leaving to go back to Ishikawa to work to, to work at another brewery. Yeah. And the, the Toji who is below him, who is kind of like part-time, who is kind of more in a sort of even kind of, has a more even relationship, like less of a kind of a top-down sort of senpai-kohai relationship. Uh, well, maybe maybe not. <laughs> long story. It's just that, you know, um, I actually, when I came into the company, I told everybody around that, hey, I'm going to be the next president. You got to listen to me. Right. I had that kind of moment, out of, yeah, attitude. Yeah. But I just sh shouldn't have done that. But now what I'm trying to do is not to show that. Mm. And we have three people who work in the Kuda right now. Me and uh, the, uh, I could say, my learning Toji yeah. and another late girl. Oh, all right. Tell, tell, I mean, I'm curious about your your personal relationship with sake as a drink. Um, um, when I, when how did you how did you discover sake, or was it was it when you were five years old in in the brewery, or was it much later? In, in I don't know. When I worked started working in the company 19 years ago, I came to the company knowing nothing about sake, mm -hmm. and I started tasting the sake, you know, to see what it is. I could tell the flavor, you know, with all the senses in your mouth. And for one reason, I just knew the taste. Oh, this is very on the dry side. It's a fruity, you know, fruity, full body taste. But I just, you know, for some reason, it just, it's in me for a reason. You know, it's like, not like, um, well, I, the first time I started, I just, it's for some reason, I just could tell the taste easily. Mm. So you, you feel like it's, it's uh, intuitive in reality. Yes. Mm. Interesting. Yes, mm. And I mean, so you've been, you've been there uh, long enough now to have a grip on what your sake looks like uh, or tastes like, I should say. Um, what what are the changes that you that that you made about the taste of uh, about the taste of sake? I didn't know. Well, um, ten years ago, we actually as um maybe you know I don't know the people understand it. There's you know to a lot of like Niigata Toji, um Nambu Toji, which is from Iwate, and um also Ishikawa Toji. Mm. So you're talking about the master brewer guilds, yeah, master brewer, right? yeah. And um, we used to use Iwate Toji. Um, I think almost 15 years ago, we used to use Iwate Toji, mm. but we had um, a some kind of relationship saying that um, we changed the Toji to now Nam. Uh, Iwa, well, as you can say, Iwate Toji is Nambu. Nambu Toji, yeah. Yeah, and. Noto is Ishikawa Toji. Yeah. So we changed Noto 15 years ago. Oh, interesting. 
And as you know, um, Iwate Toji is on a very, you know, dry, I think on the, some breweries are not that dry, but it's on the dry side. It's it's a and lighter, Yampu, lighter style. Lighter. But yeah. Yampu is more thick mm. and, you know, has a really strong, I can say, concept. Mm. It's like a real, it's like sake. It's not, you know, it's strong sake. So we change it to that. Um, another, I, I think I would like you to talk about as well is um, what you do for your area um, and for agriculture there. I mean, when I visited mm. you, I tasted uh, your classics. Hakoneyama is your, uh, is your brand name. And I tasted Sagan. We actually, I introduced Sagan to um, some of my students at Temple University. Uh, a very different um, type of sake, uh, very yes. sour, a lot of acidity, um, very, 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 very exciting sake. Mm. And uh, Sagan um, has a special meaning and is related to a particular project. Can you can you tell us a bit about that? Uh, the reason why we named the, the sake Sagan is because um, there's a Sakawagao river that runs down you know, from uh, Yabaki, very in the mountainside, down to the Odawara, um, uh, the ocean side. And at the right side of the, the Sakaoga River, we have a field that makes this um, rice for us. And the rice is called Gin no Sato, which is, uh, you know, I think from Fukui or Fukushima, I'm not sure. But the um, reason why we're using that kind of rice is Gino Sato is because it's actually, um, I could say, 100%, well, almost 100%, um, they don't use fertilizers in it. So almost organic. Mm. Yeah, it's just organic. Yeah, kind of organic. And yeah. inside the, the, uh, the field, they still have the Japanese, you know, medaka, the fishes, the Japanese fishes, the medaka. You know, Miraka are small, small fish. It's a species species of small fish, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's still, um, they're still making it, you know, they still run around inside there. So the, I mean, we've been using that rice now for almost 10 years. And we had three stages of making sagan. First, we used to have a regular sagan as a Junmai Ginjo, you know, to make it just a regular sake. Then the, the Toji we had five years ago, he started making kimoto, which is the traditional old sake. Mm -hmm. And um, he actually, before two years before he left, we use um, Kyokai K77. Um, I, I think you guys know 77, right? K77? The, yeah, vaguely. I know about 77. Well, I, 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 I know because I, because I drink Sagan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, 77 is close to wine. Hmm. It's kind of a wine. Well, it's not a real wine cobalt, but it's very close to it. So two years ago, we started making that kind of, you know, Sagan bottle. And this year, when the Toji made it last year, uh, the old new Toji, the whole concept of the sake changed. It used to be 13 degrees, uh, you know, alcohol percentage. And acidity was, I think, 
6.3 or something. But this year, when we made the new socket, it was 11 alcohol percentage, 11 to 11, and the acidity is 6.5. And the um, Nihon Shudo, the socket meter value, was minus 44. Mm. So it's wine. It's not so, socket. So it's very minus means it's very sweet. A minus sake meter value number minus 44 means it's very sweet. And uh, 6.5 acidity is close to wine level acidity or higher than wine yeah. level acidity, slightly higher. Yeah, yeah. But we have a um, Sebastian drank it. So how, how was it, Sebastian? You, you... Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I enjoyed it very much. And I, I think that's um, very easy to uh, get foreigners who have never tried sake into the world of sake uh, with such with such sake. I mean, I, I don't want to, I would not represent to them that this is sake because it's it's kind of special in the world of sake. But um, for those who have a bad image about uh, about sake tasting like, uh, like a no-taste product or something which has a lot of alcohol in it, um, or something really dry. Uh, I mean, if you try this, you, you you immediately understand that no, I mean, sake can be completely different from that. Um, and I, I would say as well that it's probably quite easy to 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 pair with with uh, with some Western food. And I'm, I mean, I want I'm thinking of, of cheese here in particular, some um, some particular types of cheese, oily food, and oily food, yeah, yeah. Um, so we wanted the new people to come into the sake, um, you know, sake world. So that's why we made it for people who can't drink sake mm. to learn what sake is made, um, what kind it is. As you can, yeah. And for one thing, me and my uncle, which is my boss right now, I will get to maybe, um, I will get to the, you know, later on about my wife, you know, he's my uncle, but um he can't me and him cannot drink sake ah that's that's an amazing story <laughs> yes um actually everybody says wow you have a strong face you can't drink sake are you sure uh yes i used to be able to when i was young in hawaii when i lived uh, when i went you know overseas to study hawaii i drank i couldn't get drunk but ever since I came back to Japan, I could not because of the climate. Okay, you say you can't drink sake. You can you can drink much sake, or I mean, are you able? Are you tasting your products every day, or you actually, too much? I'm actually getting better. I'm able to taste the products, and taste other breweries' sake also to understand. But I get very red on the face easily. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm. So. So you know, low tolerance to sake, you mean, right? Yes. Yeah. Very low tolerance. So I wanted to change the subject a little bit and ask you about the, uh, to tell us about the stone, because I don't know if you know about the stone, Sebastian. You know about the stone? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it rings a bell. I think the stone is related to, uh, you know, or, or your company's history is related to yeah. the stone, isn't it? Well, yeah, yeah. This is a very interesting story. Um, yeah. The sixth generation ancestor, Yoshi, Yoshimatsu, Yoshimatsu, 
absolutely nowhere, was walking down the riverside of the Sakaga River that I explained to you before. He stumbled on a shape, bottle-shaped stone. Yeah. And it was coming out of, you know, the, well, in that area, you know, there's rice left over, right? Mm. In the farming area, in the Edo area, there's a lot of farming people were, you know, because there was a lot of rice left over, they couldn't do anything over it. Mm. So he was thinking, hey, what am I going to do with my job? So he was walking down the riverside and stumbled on that bottle-shaped stone. He said, wow, the gods are telling to make sake. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how we started the company. And ever since then, we actually, Sebastian, if you have a chance, next time you come down to our company again, yep, I don't think you've seen it too, Chris, have you? Yeah, you brought the stone out when I when I visited you. Yeah, you I you, you have it in like a case, right? You have it in like a case, and I thought you were like bringing out a violin or something, and then and then <laughs> like you open it and it's got this 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 stone uh, inside, which yeah, it looks like a tokuri or a bottle. Yeah. Yeah, and actually that's how um, our company started. He was saying, "Well, gods are telling me to make sake, so that's what. Ever since then, we've been making sake." Wow. It's a really cool story. What I find interesting about your company's history as well is the fact that you were one of the early uh, movers in export in export markets. Mm. Um, yes, that, Ge so Germany, right? You do you you have some link with Germany, or you exported to Germany? Actually, back in the nineteen seventies. Sure. Uh, yeah. My grandfather the sixth generation president um, wanted to export sake overseas. Mm. I think it was my grandfather or I think it was my uncle. I'm not sure. But um, 53 years ago, nobody knew what sake was. Mm. Outside Japan. So, yeah. And it's they knew it was like Japanese kind of, well, it's a Japanese kind of thing, right? I don't know what the hell. Mm. And they made it. <clears throat> and um, some, I think, what my uncle was saying before is that his friends around the university or friends he knew around wanted to export into Germany. I think Germany, um, uh, I'm not sure. I think it was Germany and um, New York and San Diego or something like that. I don't remember. But we started making, exporting um uh, Germany. Uh, the reason why is that um, year 2000, we finished it because it was expensive as hell. Mm. I find the right, you know, um, way to send it mm. using, you know, refrigeration. Sure. And in that time of period, they didn't have that kind of stuff. Mm. But now they do. So I'm trying to you know, really work hard to try to send our sake overseas actually right now. To revive the exports. Yeah. Yes. And five years ago, mm. I was able to get into Wash Your Fats Hong Kong. Wow. And that's how it started. So we're back into the export, um, exporting our sake overseas right now. Mm. But it stopped because of the COVID. Mm. Well, I can see you're, you're quite busy. I mean, do you find the time to do something outside 
outside working at the brewery what's your what's your any passion you want to share with us uh well actually i'm trying to find a great um i have actually uh, an exporter here in japan right now i'm importer that i'm actually working he's my high school um high school friend and he's trying to help us you know export a sake into overseas but it doesn't work out it's pretty hard he says but find a way to do it i would like to have somebody to help us i guess you have to go there and um and and not only push it there but go there and and have consumers putting it or importers putting it because mm. i mean of course exports are running very fast but it's not like i mean you still have to come to convince and educate people in you know this market yeah it's pretty hard mm. yeah the challenge is you need to have someone over on the other side to to push the product for you and, and you oh. need to have a good relationship with them and be able to you need to the scene needs to be a certain amount of trust as well and and kind of uh there are very few distributors i think still that are in a position to really dedicate the time that you need to dedicate to, to sake to properly kind of open up the markets to develop the markets mm -hmm. but, but you know that will evolve in the future i think yeah are, i think it's going to get better though but mm. Um, well, I, mean, I wanted to ask you, I mean, what's, I mean, do you have a dream, a big dream? And what is your dream for, um, for, uh, for Inoue Shizou? Well, my big dream is to, you know, make the company bigger. Well, not bigger, but um, try to, you know, stay with the concept that we're making socket right now. We don't use any, you know, like machine kind of things in our company it's all made by hand and i want to keep it that way i would just like to maybe change a little bit of the company but still keep you know the concept of really making handmade sake so i just my dream is to keep it the way it is right now mm. yes yeah and to keep it the way it is you're gonna to have to find uh, new solutions and 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 innovate as well which is Yes, sir. The big challenge. Mm. Yes, sir. Mm. That's true. Well, I mean, it's been really interesting to hear about uh, about your story and your and your challenges, the the relationships at work, the the history of 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 the brewery. I mean, I don't know if you have any question, Chris, or or if you, George, if, if there is something you want to share with us and with our listener before we. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a message for our listeners uh, to kind of promote your sake or? Um, yes. Um, well, of... our sake is actually very on the dry. You know, it's got a full body. This year, actually, it's actually last year sake started as a full body taste. And I was on the little bit dry side, but it's got a really fruity taste to it also. And if you're everybody, if you're, you know, we actually have our sake Hakone area and you know find out Hakoneyama if you have any questions you know you can come down to the company or actually email me you know on Facebook or um, maybe ask me questions I can give you a tour of the company also um, 
you know, inbound is actually coming back. And, you know, if everybody is really interested in, you know, learning about sake, I can, you know, help you out. But I'm not that kind of an expert. So compared to Sebastian and Chris here. <laughs> not at all. Well, not at all. You're making I mean, it. You're, you're, no, it's part of your DNA, George. So uh, yeah, you said we it yourself. We can't, we can't compete. Yeah. <laughs> we, we have to drink more sake for it to become part of our DNA, right, Sebastian? <laughs> <laughs> it's part of our liver to start with. Yeah, part of our liver. Not sure about the DNA. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, it's just that uh, I would like to make the concept, you know, well, I like the more people to understand, foreigners understand our sake. So, uh, actually, two days ago, we had a Russian tourist come, a, fan, a Russian group. Mm -hmm. They bought saga. And um, actually, I should have introduced Sweetheart, but I was, uh, I couldn't come up. But Sweetheart is actually, um, it's kind of, uh, it's actually uh, a carbonate socket, which is uh, close to champagne. Yes. It's like a champagne. champagne. Mm. And that socket actually is a big hit to foreigners also. So. Yeah, it's very easy drinking and, and a little bit on the sweet side as well, isn't it? Yes. Very fruity. And I'm actually right now working in the Kuda. So as you can see, I'm very... Um, sleepy headed right now but um yeah 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 we won't yeah. keep you we won't keep you any longer sebastian you yeah. can maybe wrap sure. it up. I, I think yeah it's it's maybe time to uh thank you really heartily george for for making the time and and being on the show and again exciting to have our first foreign kuramoto mm. um yes sir um uh, well, actually, my first foreign Koramoto on the show. I don't think we we know that we may know for the Sake Exchange Summit. We 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 had one uh, Koramoto from overseas in mm. Osaka. But so yeah. So basically, thanks very much, George, for joining us, um, and uh, happy to 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 wrap up and uh, close this uh, new Sake on Air mm -hmm. episode uh, about a foreign. Kuramoto at Inoue Shuzo. Uh, please do not hesitate to send us your feedback about this episode and all your questions to questions at sakeonair.com. And please take a moment to rate us on Apple Podcasts or on the medium that you are actually using to listen to that podcast. Um, it definitely helps us to spread the word and get in front of a new audiences. Um, thank you to the Sake, um, for the, for, to the Shizu Komiyai. So thank you to the Japan Sake and Shochu Makers Association and to uh, K-Pot Production to make, uh, for making this uh, podcast uh, possible. Thank you all. Goodbye. Thank you very much. Thank you, George. Mahalo. <laughs> <laughs>